You're listening to the J.D. Rucker Show. Let's begin. Obviously, the big news of the day is that we start the day with is the ruling out of Colorado by the Colorado Supreme Court that says Donald J. Trump cannot be on the state primary ballot. This is a ludicrous ruling on multiple levels, and we'll be discussing a lot of that. Uh, but we're also going to be doing some a couple of interviews. And I'm not doing the interviews. I actually got interviewed twice yesterday, once on Variety on TV by Jeff Dornick, and another later on in the day by... Uh, Wayne Allen Root over at Lindell TV, and I'll be playing those. It's it's a lazy day for me. I'll be getting to to play a couple of videos and sit back and and watch myself talking to these two two dudes. So that should be fun. Uh, but I do want to cover this story first before we get get into any of that. I want to number one declare why I believe it will be overturned. Okay, and it's not just because of the uh, it's not just because of of what I'm about to show you. The article over at the Daily Signal that that lays out four reasons why the ruling can and should be overturned. But um, I also want to talk about the three reasons that I think that this is uh, actually going to help Donald Trump quite a bit. And, and if you guys are waiting for something brilliant, it's not. This isn't like super amazing analyses on on my part. This is just it's common sense. I mean, I mean, it's almost as if this, this is just another gift to Donald Trump, another another nail in the coffin of the the Democrats' chances of of winning or the Uniparty Swamp's chances of getting somebody other than Donald Trump to be the nominee for the Republican Party going forward into the presidential election. But first, let's start with, with this article by Hans von Spakovsky over at Daily Signal. Uh, he's with Heritage Foundation, and I'll admit it, generally speaking, I would say Heritage Foundation and I agree maybe 60, 65% of the time. Okay, so not as bad as some of the other, other Uniparty Swamp think tanks, but but uh, Heritage, you know, they, they do a good job. Um, I agree with them a lot of times. Maybe not not uh, as much as I would like. But still, in this case, I agree with them wholeheartedly, especially this article by Hans von Spakovsky titled Election Interference. Colorado Supreme Court removes Trump from ballots. Bum, bum, bum. The Colorado Supreme Court tonight ruled in an unprecedented 4-3 decision to remove former President Donald Trump from the state's presidential primary ballot, citing Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And for those who don't know, Section 3 is the, the insurrection section. This is nakedly partisan, anti-democratic uh, decision that ignores the law and prior precedent. Under the text and history of the 14th Amendment, as well as court precedent, Trump is not disqualified from running for office for numerous reasons, and he lists four of them. First, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment applies only to individuals who were previously a, quote, member of con Congress, a, a, quote, officer of the United States, or a state official. Individuals who are elected, such as the president and vice president, are not officers within the meaning of Section 3. Okay, fine. Second, no federal court has convicted Trump, and this is the most important part to me. No federal court has convicted Trump of engaging in insurrection or rebellion. In fact, the Senate acquitted Trump of that charge in his second impeachment. Now, when I say this is the most important one to me, this could, I'm saying that could backfire. I mean, we could see Trump prosecuted and convicted for insurrection. I mean, the lawfare that's being used against him right now, I would not hold it past them to be able to get such a charge, such a conviction, I should say. Third, some scholars assert Section 3 doesn't even exist anymore as a constitutional matter after the Amnesty Acts of 1872 and 1898, a matter completely ignored by the court today. Fourth, prior court rulings have held that Section 3 is not self-executing, and Congress has never passed any federal law providing for enforcement, meaning that courts such as the Colorado Supreme Court have no legal authority to enforce Section 3. 
Despite these strong defenses, the court in Colorado proceeded in its power grab, deciding to remove the ability of American voters to make their own decisions on who they believe should be president. This badly judged banana republic election interference will swiftly be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, which should take this case to short-circuit all the similar meritless challenges that are being filed in numerous states to remove Trump from the ballot. All right, that all makes a whole lot of sense. Now let's discuss number one. There is there are two there there are two kinks in this two two possible uh, challenges. Although I mean otherwise this should be totally overturned very quickly. Okay, it's kind of a no brainer prima facie, but but there are two possible roadblocks to getting overturned. First and foremost is that they don't have much time. They have until January fifth. On January sixth, the ballots get get printed, and while I know there are ways that that they can, you know, emergency injunctions, or there are ways to prevent that from happening. Once they're there, now we start to get into some pretty sticky scenarios. It would be nice if the Supreme Court just takes this, runs with it, rushes it through, and then before January 5th, they declare it's overturned, put Trump on the ballot. That'd be great. That's the ideal scenario, okay? But there is another scenario, and that is where the deep state uses their their power, and they have these compromised justices that will will vote to not overturn it. That they'll they'll with they'll uh, um, uphold this this ruling. They'll agree with it. And you might imagine how is that even possible? Well, we, of course we got the three leftists in in the Supreme Court. They're going to vote to to uphold it. You've got John Roberts, Chief Justice John Roberts, who you know, they claim he's a, a conservative. He is not. Okay, George W. Bush put in a a rhino, not even a rhino. Rhino's the wrong word for him. He's a he is a um, a completely controlled element within the Supreme Court. He goes with whatever direction they say, uh, they being the deep state, and that's why we still have Obamacare, for example. So I think that, that that's four, but they need one more. And who will that be? Could it be, I don't think it'll be Alito, obviously, or or um, um, uh, Thomas, but who could it be? Okay. Could it be Brett Kavanaugh? Possibly. I think he's the most likely of the remaining three. Could it be Gorsuch? Maybe doubtful, but he does occasionally go go off the rails. Could it be Amy Coney Barrett? Yes, I think that that's a possibility too. If I had to pick one who's going to betray the nation uh, the most, most likely to, I think it would be Kavanaugh. But uh, hopefully, Lord willing, I'm just completely wrong, and they none of them do. And maybe maybe it's voted down six to three, or even even better than that. It should be nine to zero because obviously this is an unconstitutional attack. Uh, an unconstitutional version of election interference, and if the if the leftist justices were were um, had any honor, and if they wanted to play strategically at all, then they would say, yeah, no, well, let's go ahead and and vote against it. They just, you know, we'll call it a uh, <laughs> we'll 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 use it to build credibility that we're fair and and uh, you know we uphold the constitution, yeah, you whatever. So let's talk about the three reasons, and I'm going to get to the um, interview with Jeff Dornick here in a minute. But let's get to the three reasons why I do believe that this is going to help Trump. First and foremost, fundraising is already going through the roof, I'm, I'm assuming. Okay, I haven't seen the numbers from, from late yesterday or early today, but let's just assume that he's getting a lot of money pumped into his campaign as a result of this. This is what happens. People get attacked. Politicians get attacked. They end up getting a whole lot of money. It doesn't matter. Left, right, you know, when, when somebody makes the news and they're, they're getting attacked, even if it's justified, Okay, we saw Adam Schiff able to raise a whole ton of money, even though he was completely wrong. But hey, he raised money because he's getting attacked. Oh, they're attacking me. Pencil neck. Anyway, so that's number one. Number two 
this will obviously energize the base very clearly. This is going to get the base riled up. It already has. Okay, we're already pissed off. We we want we want to to take this and and rip it apart and and just just really get behind Donald Trump even more. So that's that's a clear benefit. But number three may be a little bit less obvious. This is going to wake a lot of people up. Maybe people who are on the fence. Maybe people who are thinking, oh, you know what? Uh, Trump wasn't so bad, but maybe maybe I like DeSantis. Maybe I like Gavin Newsom. Maybe I like Nikki. No, nobody likes Nikki Haley, but you get the idea. Those who may be on the fence, this is going to help to propel more of them to realize, number one, he's under attack. Number two, we're under attack. Number three, they're trying to, to prevent him, so they must they must know something that we don't know. Maybe they know that he would help the nation, which he would. So let's go ahead and get to the interview with Jeff Dornick. And again, and this was yesterday. This is before all these events. So, But we did talk about some pretty compelling stuff, so, so let's play that. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of America Unhinged over here on Brighty on TV. Uh, as always, my name is Jeff Dornick, filling in for Dr. John Diamond. Again, I do that every two, every other Tuesday or so, so make sure that you guys continue to watch this show. Uh, Dr. Diamond always has a phenomenal lineup of guests and uh, guest hosts, even uh, when he's traveling. Uh, so I appreciate, always appreciate him. Uh, let, let me fill in for him. Uh, a couple of things really quick before we get started and I bring on our guest. Number one, make sure you guys are going to uh, my Substack, jeffdornick.substack.com. Get all my shows, articles, and in interviews directly in your email inbox uh also check out freedomfirstnetwork.com which is the network that i uh that i co-founded with uh with jd rucker who's gonna be our guest today and then as well go sign up for pickaxe p-i-c-k-a-x.com that's gonna be our social media platform that we are in the final stages of building out and you guys are gonna want to be a part of that completely constitutionally protected free speech platform not beholden to big tech at all with algorithms that work on your behalf instead of against you so make sure you guys are going over there you guys sign up for pickaxe today p-i-c-k-a-x Dot com and make sure you guys are being a part of that. Uh, we are again, we're in the final stages of that. It's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal platform. So we're going to go ahead and bring on our guest. We got JD Rucker. It's it's you know we we talk all the time, but I feel like I don't know if we've done actually done a show together in I don't I don't know how has it been more than a year since the last time we actually did a show together, JD. I think it was sometime in 2022, something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been it's been a little bit. We de we definitely probably should be doing it more often, given given the fact that we you know run run Freedom First Network together and and uh, work together on multiple different things. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit on on this in general because I feel like where we are right now as a country, obviously, it's like mass chaos. I mean, we've got basically gay porn being filmed in 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 Senate chambers we've got we've got craziness going on we're on the brink of World War three it seems like uh who who the heck knows what's going on with with Joe Biden is he coherent is he even still alive I have no idea what's what's your overall feeling on just what's actually going on right now in the world because it just seems like it's completely out of control there's this notion of of chaos that is used used by uh, by the global elite cabal or the the powers and principalities the new world order whatever you want to call them uh, a, a chaos that that builds over time so if you just throw chaos at people they will tend to to shut down they don't want us to shut down don't forget part of their their whole uh, depopulation and control agenda is to keep us placated for as long as possible, which means that they throw things at us a little bit at a time, incrementally. They make it to where, where it's chaotic, and then it's more chaotic, and it's more chaotic, and it's more chaotic. So when you're looking for, I guess you could say, an overarching uh, sentiment that's being being pushed out there, it's the idea of you don't want to make them lose hope, but you don't want to, uh, to uh, <laughs> make them hopeful 
either. You want to kind of drag them along until the the bomb drops. You know, with there was a the the third movie in the Batman most recent Batman, not most recent, but the the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. The, the storyline was was awful. Okay, there was the whole Bane Bane plan of keeping everybody and keeping the cops in the in the sewers and all this other stuff. It was just a I think an awful idea, but it wasn't far off from what we we're experiencing. He wanted to basically take people, make it to where, hey, it's going to be sort of okay. We're, we're just going to make changes. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then, boom, you know, blow everybody up with a nuclear bomb. Of course, Batman saved them in the end. But you get the idea. Despite the how it didn't play out very well in fiction, that's actually kind of what we're seeing, in, in my humble opinion. That's kind of what we're seeing in the real world today. They're hitting us, hitting us more, more bad, bad. And it's like, but it's okay. It's going to be okay. And then, boom. Now, the boom is what concerns me the most. I don't know what that is, but hopefully uh, we won't get to see it very soon. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and, and I think that, you know, part of, part of the issue that I think is making a lot of people nervous is, it, on one hand, it's like, okay, so we, we've been talking about election fraud for, for, for the longest time. But then it's like, okay, so look, Trump's Trump's leading in the polls. He's he's up by forty points, fifty points. How it's it's a it's a blowout lead. But are, can we really expect that the powers that be will allow Donald Trump to actually go back into the White House, where it seems like right now they're pushing us over the edge into full on globalism here here in a, in a, in a matter of a short period of time? Like, what what are we thinking when it when when it talks to, uh, when we're talking about what, where we're going when it comes to the twenty twenty four election and Trump versus Biden or Newsom or whoever that they allow to run in, in the end? So this is not going to be a very popular sentiment with this audience or probably any audience, but there was a recent event just in the last couple of days that made me sort of gave me a revelation, so to speak. Not I don't not like a biblical prophecy or anything like that. I, I don't want to uh, misattribute, but it sort of all became clear to me. And that event was learning that that uh, Mark Zuckerberg was uh, building a a prepper, <laughs> a, a compound, basically in Hawaii. And I started thinking, what in the world? What is this? You know, is he? We know that he's kind of kind of odd. Um, then again, he's also, he's also kind of, uh, I guess you could say super normal. You know, this is a guy that likes to, likes to hunt and, and eat what he kills and all that stuff. He, he's got that, that sort of nouveau rich guy, uh, I'm going to do what I want sort of thing, but it woke me up to something. Uh, and it's not just that it's other events as well. The idea that what if, and again, this will be in popular sentiment and I'm not suggesting that we should fight against this, but what if the plan what if that boom that triggering moment that can send us into complete chaos is actually when donald trump wins the election now you might say but they would never allow that they would never allow that they're going to stop that night i think that that's probably the most likely scenario they are going to try to stop him but i would say that the the upper ups the the true you know uh, spawns of satan the actual the actual leaders of this world they're looking at this as hey we're going to we're going to light the, the fuse, and then it's actually going to – America will blow up as a result, not because Donald Trump is president, but because of the reaction to Donald Trump getting back into the White House. I think that America they, – they see it as if Trump wins, then America is going to burn. And they're like, ah, finally. <laughs> they they get their, their wish. So, again, I, and I have no evidence of this. This is all just, just speculation on from a conspiracy theory perspective. But I would say this. If I were – you know, amongst the globalist elite cabal, and I was building up all this tension, building up all this this potential for disaster. What would be the ultimate triggering 
effect, have Donald Trump win. Makes sense. And, and also, too, it's been interesting because I, I would say probably the last two weeks or so, uh, I've been mulling over this idea that it, it doesn't matter whether Trump wins or Biden wins when it, when it comes to the 2024 election. I'm concerned that we're going to have ma- mass chaos as a result of it. Because when you think about it, if Trump gets into office, then the left and the far left and the Antifa crowd and the BLM crowd and all the people that, that turned out in the streets in that, in that, in that uh, very uh, mostly peaceful summer of love, uh, that, that they're going to feel like, okay, we've got a violent insurrectionist in the White House. And so they're going to riot because they because they feel like this is the end of our country because we've got Donald Trump in the in the White House. And then on the flip side, if Biden gets in, you're going to have a lot of people, not necessarily a lot of people, but it could be the FBI. It could also be some fringe groups on the right that then turn to either violence or, or chaos in response to the the feeling that, look, the elections were stolen, which they probably were. Uh, we've got we've got an illegitimate president. We don't have a country. We don't have elections. And so I just feel like it's kind of this like ticking time bomb to a certain degree where it's just like, OK, either way, are we looking at at mass chaos? Yeah, and absolutely. And I think they are prepared for for either and maybe pushing in one direction or the other. Um, the reason that I think that it would be the the Trump victory that would that would cause it is because it's easier for them to prompt. We're we're not looking at riots. This isn't like oh George Floyd or or uh, oh you know Antifa. We're looking at again. We're looking at something that would prompt martial law. And the way that I think they see it is, if Trump wins, then they're going to have to to come at us hard and and launch these far more than riots, launch launch absolute anarchy across the streets and major cities across America, which is why I say get out of the cities. But, um, you know, they'll have to initiate something bad and they'll, Trump would eventually, as president, be the the catalyst to say, okay, you know, I can picture him going up there. It pains me to say this, but we have to to initiate martial law in the United States of America. And that, of course, would be would be a, the, the beginning of a downfall. But to your point, what if it is the other way around? You know, are we going to get mad enough? And I say it doesn't matter who's getting mad. They, being the the powers that be, the the global elite cabal, they will make sure that somebody gets mad. Just like we saw on January sixth, twenty twenty one. Okay, if if the there were a lot of angry people, but I guarantee you with a ninety nine percent certainty that no matter how many angry patriots there were, if it wasn't for the infiltrators, the police, the uh, uh, Antifa, all the the true antagonizers that were prompting people to go into the Capitol, that nobody would have. That it would have just been a, a very mostly peaceful protest by the true extent of the word, not the CNN version. It would have been a mostly peaceful protest. There would have been some anger, lots of anger from people that feel like the elections are being stolen, but there wouldn't have been a quote-unquote insurrection that was prompted. And that's what concerns me the most is that whatever happens, it's going to be based upon prompts by the, the powers that be. And I think that to a certain degree, our movement, our, our, you know, let's say constitutional conservative movement, the America First movement, I feel like we're kind of making a mistake as we're heading into 2024. And, and I think that a lot of people are putting their hope and faith in Donald Trump. We just got to get him back in the in the White House and he's going to save the day. And and for me, I'm looking at this and I'm like, yes, but while we're trying to get Trump and maybe a few congressmen or senators, you know, in, in office, the left has been laying down the infrastructure in order for them to take over the world and take over take over our country, take over the world. Like they've they've they still run at the entertainment world. They still run our education system. They still run big business, big banks, big everything. 
and they run they run the the political parties they run the GOP they run the Democrat party they run the elect they run they run everything and it's like we're putting all our hope in an elected official when it should be okay well what about us actually taking back the GOP what about us building starting to build out the infrastructure and i think that we're kind of we've we've been making a mistake for a long time in putting all of our hope in these elected officials when in reality it's like to a certain degree we need we need an actual legitimate infrastructure to take them on you know, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And that infrastructure works its way from top to bottom. And when I say top, I'm not talking about top as in Washington, D.C. I'm talking about the actual constitutional hierarchy of government. At the very, very top, you've got God. Okay, God should be the, the, the implementer of all government things. But then you've got us, individuals and our families. We are the next level. And from there, it goes to, to local and city, county, state. And then at the very, very bottom, we've got the federal government. That's how the government hierarchy really should be in the United States of America if we were to, to truly follow the Constitution. With that said, um, you know, it starts with making ourselves as prepared and ungovernable as possible. Okay. If, if we are going to do this, it's not going to be by electing people, as you say. It's going to be about start making sure that no matter what government does, no matter what befalls on us, if they cut the power, if they go martial law, if they make it to where you got to get this, that, or the other to get food, what are we going to do? We're going to make sure that, that we aren't beholden. We're going to make sure that we've got water, food, ammunition, Bibles, meds, uh, precious metals, trading items and a system around us, a localized system that we can count on to be like, okay, so so we got us five, us 10, us 50, us, you know, 500, however many people we can get together to be that, essentially that localized government. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, you know, go start an armed militia, but I'm also not, not saying that either. <laughs> oh gosh, you're going to regret having me on here. We are talking insurrection. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 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 this but this is where we need to start thinking through these things from from a standpoint of like like you shouldn't always be looking at everything from a worst case uh, possible scenario, but then also at the same time we we kind of have to as well because you know it it's called being prepared. It's called being wise. It's using wisdom and, and discernment, especially in the, in these times. And it's like okay, yes, it's like we 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 definitely need to do what we can in order to obviously save the country if we can turn things around, but then also we do need to be prepared because our first responsibility is to ourselves and to our family and, and making sure that they are that they are taken care of as best as possible in virtually in any scenario that we can possibly uh you know come up with. And that's that's where it's it's there's this balance and there, there's this tension. I think I think some people they they write off the more more the prepping and all that kind of stuff like you're just a crazy conspiracy theorist that that thinks that the world's going to end. It's like, well, it will at some point. It's just a matter. It's just a matter of how long until we get there. That is true, but the sentiment is shifting. It's funny because I just posted an article about about how uh, the left is starting to to get into to prepping. More and more people aren't are getting annoyed with, you know, or making fun of doomsday preppers, and they're actually becoming them. Did you know that the the most the majority of spend Right now, as far as people getting prepared, people you know, buying prepper supplies and, and trying to get prepared, the majority of the spend is coming from Gen Z and millennials. That when I read that, it blew me away, realizing that it's the young people who are like, oh crap, I got to get ready. You know, I would have thought it would have been the other. I actually literally would have been the exact opposite. Like if you said, okay, so, so you've got Gen Z, you got millennials, you got, um, you've got, uh, Gen X, you've got boomers. In what order do you think the spend is right now for preparedness? And I would have said, well, obviously, 
obviously Gen X, you know, we're we're on top of this stuff. We're we're going to be be doing it. Then probably the boomers, they they they're moving on in years, but they still want to be prepared. And then I would say, oh, let's go with with uh, millennials, and then the you know, those young whippersnappers in Gen Z. They're spending the least. It's the exact opposite of what I would have thought. Gen Z is spending the most. Gen X, uh, uh, millennials are spending the second most. Boomers are spending the third most. And and my group, Gen X, we're spending the least. We don't care. We're just like, oh, whatever happens, happens. I've, uh, you know, I love, as long as I got my Netflix, right? Um, more and more people, left, right, center, doesn't matter, are realizing that things can and likely will go bad at a point in the future. And whatever's driving them, whether they, they think, oh, Trump's going to win. Oh, Biden's going to win. Oh, you know, Newsom's going to win. Or maybe they just think, doesn't matter who wins, it's going to go south. Something's driving them. And that in one way is a good thing. In another way, it means that as Americans, we're losing hope. And without hope, we are going to crumble regardless of what happens. If we lose faith in the United States of America's ability to bounce back from all this turmoil, then it won't. It's, it'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy. What's really leading to that, let's say, ho- let's, we'll call it hopelessness, is is the the problem that I think we're facing right now is historically when it came to politics, Democrat, Republican, there there, there were slight variances. And, you know, but but we we all kind of wanted the same thing, but we had different w- routes of getting there. And I and I feel like obviously since Trump, probably maybe even since since Obama, we've seen this shift of we have two completely different worldviews. We have two completely outlooks on life. We have two different complete we have two completely different realities and in in the way that we understand how life functions and works and you know are are there two genders or are there a million different ones and you that you cannot define it's like there's two completely different worldviews 100% and i think that that's where it's like i don't know how to bounce back from something when somebody else believes that they be that they can become a cat or like like what like what's happening in in actually the state of Kansas and other other places other places around the country where literally schools are putting litter boxes in their schools for for kids that identify as cats to to use in the bathroom i i don't know how to bounce back from that when you live in such polar opposite realities yeah when the answer is we don't at some point we're going to have to call out the insanity and i'm not just talking about going on twitter or pickaxe or anything like that and saying oh this this stinks there's only two genders you know fight the good fight it's 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 going to take more than that it's going to take, we're going to have to address it from all three, I guess you could say, um, uh, fronts, all three fronts from which we can attack such things. Obviously, there's still, you know, as, as much as I want to get away from politics, there is still the political front. We need to be able to address these things politically um, through legislation, by by outlawing uh, you know, drag, drag queen story hours and stuff like that, by acknowledging that what the left... The left acknowledges the the truth. They just do it from both sides of their mouth. They'll say, "Oh, you know, on one side, you know, this is protected, and we they should be able to to use their free speech rights to express themselves and and whatever." And then on the other side, when they're talking amongst their cronies, it's like, "Oh my gosh, that's so hot. That's so awesome. That's so sexually provocative." You know, you, they just won't say that in regards to the kids around. At least not yet. Eventually, they will. Number two, we got to address this from a cultural perspective. Our culture is, as a nation, we are decaying greatly, rapidly, much faster than we ever have. Okay, we've seen times throughout our history where, where it's kind of like, you know, there's cultural decay and then there's some bounce back and then there's cultural decay and then there's bounce back. Um, where, where is the bounce back? The bounce back has not happened. 
we have not been able to, as a culture, I'm talking about not from a political perspective, but we have not been able to push back and get enough people to say, hey, this is wrong. You know, people are scared. And that's the, you know, the, if you really want to, the, the most powerful weapon or tool that the cultural Marxists use is fear. They want to make sure that, that you don't say anything wrong. Who was it? Bill Maher was telling a joke. I forgot, some, one of the starlets from Hollywood, you know, he was telling a joke about, uh, it was a pretty funny joke, and I don't think I can actually say it on air here, but, but he was talking about trans, transgenderism and basically swapping body parts. And whoever the starlet was, she was just so... So offended. And Bill Maher said something very important. He said, are you truly offended or do you want to appear offended by it, you know, for your audience or whoever? And, and it's a great statement. But then number three, of course, there's the faith aspect of it. We need revival more than anything else. Okay, more than, I mean, if we get, if we lose politically, we lose culturally, we still need revival. If we win, if we're going to be able to, to defeat the, the bad guys, then it will be because of, of revival. If we lose, if they're able to take this nation down, then our only salvation will be revival. The only thing that we should focus on, if we can only focus on one thing at a time, is revival in the nation. Because without that, none of the other things matter. And if that's all we have, that's fine. So that should be the primary focus, in my humble opinion. And it's also one of those things, too, where it's like I, 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 I'm always very hesitant to compare United States of America with Old, Te Old Testament Israel. You know, a lot of Christians try, try to do that. But also, I think there is an encouragement in looking at how bad things got in Israel. And, and when you notice, God oftentimes waited till it was practically impossible. Like, I think at one point he got it down to there was one faithful person in the, in the entire country. And he, and he worked through, the, through that one prophet in order to, you know, bring salvation and bring revival back to the nation and ultimately save it. And, but, but we see a direct parallel between repentance and faith in Christ or faith in God throughout, throughout the Old Testament and then Israel thriving, and then when they turned their back on God, that's when Israel, you know, was was going down the crapper and uh, and, and literally being conquered by other, by other nations. And I think that we're we're also seeing this the same parallel with what's happening here in the United States of America. You know, everybody, every, you know, Donald Trump talked about make America great again, but I think one of the things that he forgot and he's left out, pro probably primarily because he's not actually a Christian himself, is, is, is that there that there is this faith component to actually making America great again. When we look at the quote-unquote glory days of this country, we had a lot more Christians and a lot more Bible-believing, you know, faithful people, whereas now we've become so secularized, so anti-God, so anti-Christ. You look at the Democrat platform, it's, it's basically like they read the Bible, and then they said, we're going to just do the exact opposite, and that's going to be our platform. And then you've got the Republican platform that's more biblical, but then the people don't actually, the, the people that are elected don't actually represent that and don't actually believe in that. It, it's a bad, bad combination, and this is where it's like, okay, wh where are the pastors? Where are the evangelists? Where are the people actually getting – where, where's the everyday people getting out there and trying to bring about revival? And I just feel like we're so focused on the politics of everything that we're distracted from our real mission. It is 100% correct. It's not just distracted by the politics. You know, let's face it. Reality is you and I, we sit here, we do our shows, we go and we, we run our sites, we press, we press, we talk to people within our circles that are extremely politically minded. And we think, oh, we need to get the, these people more um, concerned about the, the reality, the, the, the reality of the Bible, more focused on the, the evangelical aspect and the, uh, the stewardship that we are supposed to be engaged in, right? Well, we don't realize sometimes, I think we, we do live in a bubble, you and me and others like us. 
um, including, I would say, probably most of your your listeners and, and viewers right now. We live in this bubble where we don't realize that 90% of America doesn't care at all, one way or the other, okay? They're not sitting there making their, their decisions during the day or during the week or during the month based around what's happening politically or culturally or, or faithfully. They're making their decisions based upon, okay, so, so how much money do they have? What are they going to make? Um, do they have enough money to pay the bills? What changes do they, they need to make there? Um, how are we going to get food on the table? And even it's not just people that are struggling, even the people that aren't struggling, they're wondering, okay, so, so, you know, what, it, I guess I don't want to start ripping on, on the wealthy, but you know, what, what am I going to take on my boat today? Uh, I actually had that question asked of me from, from a friend of mine who was affluent. Anyway, <laughs> what do you think I should take on the boat today? Uh, <laughs> I don't care, man. But anyway, you get the idea is that most majority of Americans, vast majority of Americans aren't looking at this stuff and thinking, you know, what's going to happen? What are they going to do politically, culturally or faithfully? They're looking at at their individual lives. And I think a lot of this is, uh, you know, what we have to do. We have to, to try to try to reverse that, try to make people uh, more concerned about things. And I'm not suggesting, hey, everybody's got to get out there and be politically minded or culturally minded or faithfully minded. I'm saying that whatever it is in their life that is that is driving them, trying to associate that with whatever floats their boat, whether it is political, cultural, or faithful, just get them in the game. And, um, you know, I have relatives, I won't say which ones, but I do have relatives that, that are, are on the, the far left. And the only reason that we're able to to uh, engage, like for example, during the holidays, the only reason we're able to engage is because they're mostly apolitical. When they are political, they're they're leftist, but for the most part, they're apolitical. Now you might say, okay, so that's good. That's great for non-combative family gatherings, but it's wrong as well because it's my duty to number one, in, encourage them to to uh, most importantly to to read their Bibles, to engage with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Number two. I need to, to show them that they're wrong. I, I'm, I need to not fear the political uh, repercussions or the familial repercussions of talking about politics. And as we go into Christmas coming up, I think I'm hoping that people will be more like that, more more appreciative of the need to explain, hey, the border crisis is really bad, and here's why. Explain why, oh, you know, the uh, uh, all this money that's going out to, to Ukraine or wherever – that money could be used. I, I think one of the most startling st statistics is the idea that, that the money that's been sent to Ukraine to help them in the, their futile attempts to win the war, that money could have literally uh, housed every single homeless American by now. There was enough money sent over there that every single uh, homeless American could have been, have been put into quality shelter across the entire nation. And that hopefully will wake people up. I don't know if it will, but we've got to find something. Something's got to wake people up because they have to care. They have to understand this stuff is important, and most of them don't. Gosh, I forgot what your original question was. I don't think I answered it, but uh, that's my non-related non, uh, answer to whatever question you'd asked. Yeah, well, but I, I think I think you know I'm glad I'm glad you brought up even like talking about all these things at at, at uh, holiday gatherings because I remember I, I posted right right before Thanksgiving uh, you know I was like okay so what what controversial topics are you guys going to talk about at uh, at Thanksgiving and it was funny because the the Daily Mail ended up doing like a whole article on based upon my tweet when it when it came to that but I th I think that the the point with the point with that is like that's you know everybody always says don't talk politics or, or religion. You know, in, in public or at public gatherings or at meals or with, and I'm like, no, that's what you do. Like, so, like when we get together at Thanksgiving or Christmas, 
we talk we talk about these things and the vast majority of people disagree with me but the thing is is that i you know i disagree with them but i'm not disagreeable and and i think that that's that's kind of some of the mentality that i think that we can take is don't allow yourself to get sucked into shouting matches and and yelling at each other do it out out of actual legitimate love and don't get frustrated that 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 these people that are that you're surrounded with and your family members they're brainwashed like like they they truly are i mean they, the vast majority of americans Still watch the mainstream media, whether you're talking Fox News or CNN or or any of the other any of the other outlets. The vast majority of them, they're still watching that. And I think a lot of times in our movement, like you said earlier, we're in a little bit of a bubble. And to where I think that we think we think we're winning because all we're seeing on social media is people that agree with us. But that's algorithms. That's not real life. And I think that people oftentimes forget that. Like in my opinion. We're we're not winning in the grand scheme of things because the vast majority of people don't have no idea what the truth even is. And I think that that should be more of a motivating factor. It's more important now than ever to start having these one on one conversations with every single person around you. That's how we do it. It's not going to be through it's not going to be through social media because of the way the algorithms are set up on Facebook and X and and, and all of that. It's going to be through interactions with family members and friends and people that you have influence over over on like a one on one basis, I think. I wholeheartedly agree. And and uh, it doesn't just have to be face to face either. I think a lot of times people people um, I don't know what the percentage is. Maybe it's 30 percent. Maybe it's 70 percent. But there are a lot of people out there, a lot of Americans, who it's not that they don't want, it's not that they're 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 not sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I really don't want to talk about this because I don't want strife within the family, or I don't want to lose my friend over this. A lot of times, it's that they, they don't feel confident in their ability to properly portray the argument, and so um, one of my with text the way that it is, with email the way that it is, the way you know everybody has different ways of communicating. If you are one of those those people who, let's say, you know what, you don't want to, you don't feel like you can have the conversation because maybe you're you're shy, maybe you you stutter, maybe you've got whatever for whatever reason you don't feel comfortable talking to to Aunt Josie about about why she's crazy, you know, and how indoctrinated she is. Start getting engaged in a personal level. I'm not talking about going on Twitter or, or pickaxe or anything and and just posting it there, though that's beneficial as well. But start interacting on a personal level by sending to directly to people. Hey, you know, um, such and such. I I saw this and article or I watched this video and I thought of you. Okay, those words alone may be the most powerful digital version, and you, it also works works in person too. But as far as a you know communication through text, communication through email, communication through through whatever way that you you can interact directly with somebody. Again, not posting in public but talking to that person directly you know when you say those words i thought of you 99 percent are going to say well what was it you know what made them think of me how do they think of me i've got to know i've got to watch this video i've got to read this article by jd rucker over at freedomfirstnetwork.com i've got to do whatever <laughs> catch the pitch I, I threw in the pitch there um you know i've got to i've got to see what they think of me and then introduce them to important information 
information that, that they may need to see. And they may call you and say, hey, why did you think of me when, you know, why did you, why in the world would you send a Hamas article to me about, you know, thinking of me? What do you think? I'm a terrorist? It's like, no, but you seem to be not interested in this stuff. And I thought, man, if 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 Aunt Josie knew about this, maybe she would be more concerned about what's happening. Or, or here's here's a, uh, you know, the uh, reality of what Gavin Newsom is doing in California. I know that that you don't care because you live in Nevada, Aunt Josie, but but Gavin Newsom is, is trying to reach across to to your state and to every state in the nation or whatever. I'm, I'm giving awful examples, but you get the idea. Um, yes, we need to start having those conversations, preferably in person. But if you're one of those people that can't, then learn how to properly communicate digitally in a way that's still personal and that can still impact other people. And I think also, I think a lot of times it's really easy for us to always be, you know, reactionary. And so when we're talking about people feeling comfortable to actually, sh you know, share their opinions or share their positions, I think a lot of times most people don't eat, barely have enough time to, to see the headlines in, in our movement. And so they don't, they don't have a, an in-depth grasp and understanding of, of everything as, as opposed to somebody who's actually studying, you know, a particular topic. And I think that that's where a, a lot of people can feel like, look, I don't have time to study the intricacies between Russia and Ukraine and Israel and Hamas and, and, you know, whether Joe Biden has dementia, you know, it, it's, it's like they, all they, all they have time for is the headlines. And so the, I think that that's kind of where a lot of people feel like, okay, so may, maybe I, maybe I need to be quiet because, you know, if somebody asks a question and I don't know then I'm going to look like like in, like a fool when in reality it's it's like everybody around you they're in the same boat. So if you have these conversations, they're going to be in the in the exact same boat as you. The important thing is to actually talk through it because then what you'll do is you'll force yourself to reevaluate your positions, think through what you actually believe, but then you'll be doing this the exact same thing with the other person and just ask pointed questions and guess what? You'll have a very very interesting conversation if you're the one asking pointed questions as as opposed to just blasting with a fire hose of, of information. Uh, 100%. And speaking of pointed questions, I had to ask you real quick. I'm sorry to change topics, because, but that was a good stopping point, because, yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, did you watch the uh, the movie, um, what is it, uh, Leave the World Behind? Did you watch it? But I, pr I probably will at, at some point, just to see what the it's, heck they're talking about. So for, for uh, obviously your audience doesn't know this, but, you know, I came out to California because I wanted to be in the movies, not as a, as a, uh, actors, though, though clearly I could have been an actor, uh, <laughs> no, but as a, uh, as a writer, I wanted to write screenplays and that's, um, I got a job offer, came out, dragged my family out here and, you know, like a naive little boy is like, okay, you know, here's an, and of course I realized, oh my gosh, wait, you don't want to. Christian conservative script, what's wrong with you? And then they're like, you're writing a Christian conservative script, what's wrong with you? But anyway, long story short is that I used to love love Hollywood until I started realizing a long time ago, I mean, it's been years now, but started realizing that I don't want to participate at all in the destruction of humanity. So, so I didn't want to do that. Point being is this, is that I don't watch movies very much anymore at all, at all. But I did watch that one because I wanted to do some research, essentially. I wanted to know what it was. And um, so since you haven't watched it, and since I'm sure many members of your audience haven't watched it, I'm not going to spoil anything. But I want you to take note because I think the most important part is the, the most important part of the movie is to say, uh, when he says the words, um, nobody's pulling the strings. And I disagree, of course, wholeheartedly. But that line, that moment... Uh, I think that's the message that uh, Barack and Michelle Obama were trying to 
to deliver to us, but we can't talk about it because you didn't see it. So carry on. Sorry. That was my, my Hollywood aside. No, but, but, but I, but I think when it, when it comes, when it comes to these, when, when it comes to these kinds of movies, like they are, they are pushing their worldview. And I think that it's, it's important for people to understand that it's, I think a lot of times people just want to feel like, oh, I'm, this is just entertainment. Right. And I think to a certain degree, that's probably, that's probably the psyop is they're actually telling us all the things that they're going to do. But then because it's in a fictionalized movie, we think oh, that can never happen in real life. Cause that that's fiction. That's, 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 that's fiction. That's not nonfiction. That's not real life. And I think to a certain degree, it kind of lulls people into a sense of that 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 james bond villain thing that that you know klaus, klaus schwab is not a james bond villain what are, what, are you, what are you talking about bill gates is not is not a bond villain i i think that that's kind of mentality but when you start to actually look at things and it's interesting for me i you know all the movies that i've been watching i i've been looking at it from okay what worldview are they pushing what outlook on life are they pushing and and it, and it's interesting because like you could go you could go through the 007 movies going all the way back to pierce brosnan like they're literally telling us every single thing that that the powers that be are doing same same thing with the, with the new Jurassic Park movie. I, I'm telling everybody go watch Hobbs and Shaw, which is one of the newer uh, Fast and Furious movies, where they're literally talking about artificial intelligence meets meets Terminator meets Ukrainian bio labs developing a virus that's going to spread spread all over the planet. That oh, we, oh yeah, they came out in 2019, right before COVID happened. Like they're just conditioning people over and over and over again, and that's where I think to a certain degree. We can we can see these things and we can begin to understand this is what their worldview is. But then it's also an opportunity to to make that parallel between look, here's here's what they're putting in the films, and it's really easy to have that conversation with people when it actually happens in real life. A hundred percent, and that's also very terrifying when you consider the uh, the upcoming movie. It's coming out in spring of next year, called Civil War, starring Kirsten Dunst. I don't know if you saw that that trailer but my gosh talk about predictive programming talking about normalizing and getting people prepared for the worst case scenario it's funny because the thing that the the only thing that that i saw a lot of conservatives talking about regarding the the trailer regarding the movie the the most important factor was that oh this has to be fiction because because apparently there's a texas california alliance <laughs> it's like guys come on that was so intentionally done for the sake of making us not think of this as predictive programming. It's, oh, you know, you guys are, sorry. Uh, our movement, our side tends to fall for the bait very, very easily. And I think that that was was part of the bait. But otherwise, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you can go back for years and see, yeah, don't even get me started with all the 9-11 conspiracies. Don't get me started about the movie or the television show that they had to air about terrorists taking taking uh, hijacking planes and flying them into 9-11 that aired just before 9-11. Uh, don't get me started on any of that stuff. But you're absolutely right. Um, and this is one of the reasons, this is the only reason, there's only two reasons that I see movies. And last week was the first week in over a decade that I actually watched two movies, okay? Over a decade since I watched two movies in one single week. Of course, I watched the, the aforementioned Obama movie, but we also went to see Wonka. Because I had heard, I saw an article over it, I think it was Christian Post, said it's wholesome and it doesn't have an agenda. So I had to see it. And then as I'm um, looking at the trailer, watching it, and of course, who walks in? My kid. He's like, oh, what's that? It's like, you haven't taken me to a movie lately, Daddy? It's like, oh, okay, well, I guess if it's wholesome. So we went to see it, and it really wasn't bad at all. I mean, the movie was, was I think, above average, you know, uh, good quality. I love musicals. But as far as the messaging, I mean... The, not to spoil it for anybody, but the, the main bad guy is a black guy. 
all the relationships in the movie uh, you know, between are, are heterosexual. Um, there was fat shaming in the movie. Fat shaming. Okay, this dude goes from like small and he eats a lot of chocolate and he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, this was, was I wouldn't say it was anti-woke. It was just unwoke. It didn't care. It was a movie. And I think if we had even more of that, I, I don't care if we have, you know, conservative-minded movies. If we can just have movies that don't care whether they're conservative or, or leftist, that don't don't care if they're woke or unwoke, that would be better off. So, so yeah. I, I gosh, I keep bouncing to these topics. How do? Why are we talking about movies? That's not why you brought me on. I brought you on specifically to talk about Wonka. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but 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 I but I think I think th- th- this this is the th- this is the thing though. I think as we're heading into into 2024, is is this this is where I think it's more important now than ever for people to get off their couches and actually get engaged in actually the the actual work of saving the country. And again, it could take a whole different. It can hit, take a whole different, you know, uh, num- number of routes. Again, it could just be the conversations, like what we, like what we were talking about. It could be text messages. It could be just sharing information with your friends and family and just trying to wake them up to the truth of what's going on. But it, but it's also it's it's also getting getting involved and being educated about what's going on, so that way you can disseminate more and more information. And I, and I think that one one of the concerns that I've been that I've personally been having uh, a lot has has been this whole Israel Hamas thing where I feel like that's that's one of the first things that has not been dividing the country based on based upon party lines because we're seeing Democrats split over that we're also seeing conservatives split split over that as well I mean you you've got you've got you know the a lot, a lot of people that are that are going hardcore you know it's the conspiracy theorists the anti-semitism all the, all that kind of stuff we we got to defend Hamas we we've, we've we've got leftists that are that are taking this from a colonialism perspective and it's really interesting seeing that seeing the almost like the the, the ideological civil war that's happening over what's happening in in the middle east over this one issue and and, and I'm like on one hand it's it's I hate the division, but on the other hand, I'm like this is this is a really interesting conversation now that this is not based upon conservative leftist America first versus uh, versus globalist. It's kind of like everybody's divided over this issue. What do you make of that? Oh yeah, no, I'm number one. I think it's awesome. Okay, I do. I, and this is going. Oh, why do you think that terrorism and people dying is awesome? I'm not saying that that's awesome. Okay, uh, on either side, I don't like the fact that that uh hamas came in and and beat kidnapped raped and and murdered um innocent israelis and i also don't like the fact that that now the palestinian civilians are being killed as a result i don't like any of that okay i don't want war at all so let's be clear when i say oh this is awesome um i'm not saying that that aspect is awesome what is awesome is that you are right this is the first time we've seen a true in my lifetime i've never known an issue that was as divisive as this one within the two sides. Okay. You're right. I mean, people on the right, there are, there are many who are adamantly, adamantly anti-Zionist. And there are many that are, you know, go Israel, go right. And the same thing amongst Democrats, the same thing on the left. And it's funny because like, if you had asked me, if you had asked me uh, before all this happened, Hey, you know, if, if Hamas attacks Israel, what side do you think John Fetterman's going to be on? And my response would have been something like, John Fetterman won't have a side because he couldn't tell you what Israel is or, or who Hamas is. But I would have been wrong. He would have picked a side, and he, he ended up picking a side that I would not have expected. Same thing with, with pretty much every, I mean, every politician 
you know, there are those that the, a lot of them fell in the line, but some of them truly legitimately surprised me as far as whether or not they were truly uh, in favor of Israel or truly in favor of of, uh, of Hamas. You know, obviously the squad, I mean, let's face it, there, there was there was no surprise there when they came out, you know, against with their anti-Zionist rhetoric. Um, but, but there are some surprises within the Democrat Party. But here's the thing. We are going to see a shift. We're already in the process of seeing that shift uh, where people that even including Joe Biden, people who were were basically, um, oh, you know, we stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. It's already shifting to where they're starting to take on. He's going from literally being a Zionist to essentially his policies are turning anti-Zionist. And that's something that that uh, we have to concern ourselves with. I'm not talking, we can talk about biblical this, biblical that, um, dispensationalism some other day, but, but when it, just when it comes to our alliances and what's, you know, stability in the Middle East, it is very concerning that the Biden-Harris regime, their actions are starting to turn towards an anti-Zionist perspective, because if that happens uh, full force, then, and I, I think it will if this per- persists longer than the election, um, but if that happens full force, then we are going to see just a, essentially a degradation within our nation from an outside force that's not China, that's not North Korea or Russia. And I don't think anybody was expecting that. I think prior to all this happening, we were thinking, oh, yeah, you know, we got to worry about the World Economic Forum. We got to worry about the World Health Organization, the United Nations, China, Russia, maybe North Korea, maybe Iran, maybe, you know, whoever. I don't think anybody had it on their bingo card that, okay, so uh, the the foreign the foreign uh, influences that are going to end up destroying the United States of America are coming out of the Middle East. I think we thought we'd washed our hands clean of that, and uh, we did not. So interesting times, very interesting times. I'm glad you brought that up. I did an entire show, by the way, about about uh, Hamas versus Israel the other day, and uh, let's just say that the responses were polarized, just as we're seeing across the board today in our everyday lives. Of that polarization, when it when it comes to especially especially within the conservative movement, especially especially on the right, that that that's been the interest that's been the interesting aspect of me. And and again, maybe I've been insulated, maybe I've been in my own little bubble for you know who knows how long. But the the vast majority of the people that I've always interacted with o- over the years have typically always been pro Israel. And then all of a sudden, I f- I find myself surrounded by yeah, there's definitely pro Israel people, but then there's a there's a lot of people that that are in our circles that are very anti-israel uh is that is that a new thing are people changing their minds or is it has that always been uh kind of brewing under the surface there oh no i think it's definitely always been brewing so so uh, what i think that you might have seen is you might have assumed pro-israel um but it wasn't it wasn't there in other words a lot of your a lot of the people in, in the conservative movement you know, we kind of just oh, you know, they're they're pro this, they're pro that, they're anti this, they're anti that. They seem to be aligned on pretty much every topic, but they were mostly absent when it came to Israel. In other words, you and I, we assumed okay, so so yeah, uh, they're going to be if they're on the right, they're going to be pro Israel. That's definitely not the case. And a lot of these people that again, a lot of people even within our circles, that uh, once this got started, that's when they started expressing their anti-Zionist perspectives. Um, and I, I want to be clear. So there is, there are those who are the everybody uses different terms. They say, oh, pro Hamas, pro Palestine, anti-Zionist, anti-Semite. At the end of the day, it comes down to this: if you believe that Israel should have its own nation, 
and that that nation should be controlled by Israelis, by the Jewish, uh, the Israeli government, by the Jewish people, then that's one stance. And then everything else is a separate stance. I don't care if you're saying from the river to the sea and wanting to kill all Jews, or if you're saying, hey, we need a, a two-state solution, or we saying, hey, we need a one-state solution, but that one-state solution is a secular government where everybody's free to do, you know, whatever your stance is, there's only, there are only two options. There's either Israel is Israel, the way that it is, or Israel is not Israel, the way that it is. That's why I don't, you know, I don't, I don't try to throw out there anti-Semite, anti-Zionist, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestine, pro-whatever. Um, I mean, I do. I shouldn't say I don't try to do that. I do do that, but, but to me, it all falls in the same category. Bottom line is to answer your question directly. Um, I would say that this has been brewing under the surface for a long time. It's just never needed to be discussed. And I think that the people who have been anti-Israel, anti-Zionists, have uh, just said, you know what? There's no need to talk about it. There's no need to discuss it. Uh, and they didn't. And then once this happened on October 7th, then it's like, okay, I guess this is it. This is the need to talk about this stuff. And they did. And, uh, you know, I, I don't hold it. I want to be clear. I don't hold it against any of my friends or anybody if they have different views than me, as long as we can talk through it, as long as, as, long as we can have an understanding together, I'm not going to blacklist people who don't agree with me. Um, I, on the other hand, have been blacklisted by people who don't agree with me on the topic and that's unfortunate so yeah we won't talk about that yeah <laughs> de de no definitely so and we we've, we've just got a couple minutes left but i wanted to say what after this conversation because again we talked about a wide variety of topics but what's the what's the takeaway what do people do with this information and everything that we everything that we're working through here i go back to what i said earlier number one revival 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 that is you know if, if you let's say you've sat on the sidelines for a while let's say that you're a pastor and you're directly engaged Okay, let's, I don't care what, what level you're at, that take it up a notch, okay? Take it up a notch. And let's start, let's start trying to, to promote this idea. I got a, um, a, it wasn't a nasty comment. It was a mean, and that means not the right word. I had somebody who was uh, a fan of my show. Um, and you can always find my shows at jdrucker.com slash shows. Uh, somebody who was there, he's like, I was very disappointed that you were talking about how, how you, you hope and pray that the Israeli people come to, come to understand Christ. It's like, isn't it kind of a, a divisive? I'm like, no, if I believe in Christ, then I should hope that everybody does. And I'm not going to try to force anybody to, I'm not going to put a gun to their head anyway. Um, but that, that caught me by surprise. We need more of it though. We need more people pushing for that. The second part is get out of the cities, get out of the suburbs, do whatever you can to protect yourself and your family. I need you to be prepared. And people ask why. And it's because of this, we are in a fight right now. And the best thing that we can do is to get ourselves prepared for it. And I want as many people either fighting a good fight today and or helping to rebuild tomorrow. And for that to happen, they can't be standing in bread lines. They can't be getting getting uh, the jabs. They can't be forced to do whatever government tells them to do. And then number three, don't don't fear. It's easy to fear, but don't. You know, be ready. Be prepared. Be ready for whatever's coming. And if you do that, then you should be okay, regardless of what comes. No, absolutely. So if people want more, they want to tune into your show or, you know, catch all of your writing and your perspectives, where do they go for that? Oh, I would say probably discernreport.com, uh, freedomfirstnetwork.com, thelibertydaily.com, americafirstreport.com, jdrucker.com slash shows, um, 30 or 40 others. Do we have time? No. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. But highly encourage you guys, everybody, especially go, go, go to his Substack. That way you guys get 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 that. It's just what jdrecord.substack.com. 
Perfect. So make sure make sure you guys are doing that. But I really appreciate everybody for tuning in. I'll be back here here in a couple of weeks filling in for Dr. Diamond. Uh, but yeah, we shall catch you guys next time. All right. So that was my that was my interview yesterday by by Jeff Dornick. Fun stuff. Let's go ahead and take a a quick break for station identification, and when we get back, we'll talk some more stuff. All right, we're going to start this next story off with the moral of the story. Get your kids out of public schools if you possibly can, preferably homeschooling. Homeschooling, for most, I believe is the best way to go, but not everybody is capable of doing that, whether your, your financial situation, your, your job restrictions, you just don't have time. If you can, try to try to homeschool, but if you can't, then maybe it's just not for you, then at least try to find a good private or, or charter school or something. Get them out of these schools that are that are, are brainwashing children. And that's exactly what's happened to a, a family in, in Michigan. And thankfully, this family is suing. According to our report by Cactus Williams over at Discern.TV, parents sue school district for secretly trans brainwashing their child. A lawsuit filed on Monday by the Alliance Defending Freedom claims that the Rockford Public School District of Michigan has violated the First and Fourteenth Amendment rights of parents. Dan and Jennifer Mead, on behalf on, on whose behalf the ADF is filing the lawsuit, discovered last October that sc the school district staff had been referring to their daughter using masculine pronouns and a new masculine name without informing them. The only reason they became aware of this fact is that a staffer accidentally included a note from one of their daughter's teachers in an official report in which the teacher referred to the child using the new name and pronouns. Listen. That there, that last part, is the important part to listen to. They won't tell you what they're doing. They fear you, and they, they know with a certainty, at least in their own minds, that they know better than you. It doesn't matter if this family happens to be a Christian family, but it doesn't matter. Uh, left, right, Christian, not Christian, doesn't matter. They're going to, unless they know with a certainty that they're, the parents are going to to embrace this. And they'll know this because the children are probably already telling their parents anyway. So the parents are telling the teachers and, and they're involved and they can have their own little thing. Like I'm, uh, when it comes to, to parents' rights, this is always an issue where you're torn, right? I mean, you should be torn because on one hand, you want parents to be able to, to be empowered to, to do uh, what they need to do with their own children, to make the decisions on behalf of their children. On the other hand, you can say that it's definitely child abuse if these parents are having their children, you know, having them genital genitally mutilated having them go through these these permanent uh, sex procedures, that's child abuse, in my humble opinion. And I, hopefully, Lord willing, most of you, if not all of you, feel the same way. But when it comes to the brainwashing aspect of it, that's where we get into a little bit of gray area, okay? Is it child abuse to call your, your son by, you know, call your son Sally, call your, your daughter Greg, 
Is it child abuse to to pander to their delusions, their their mental illness? Because that's what it is. The mental illness of gender dysphoria. Is it even worse if they're not actually experiencing gender dysphoria? They're experiencing some kind of confusion, which happens throughout all of childhood, from basically the moment of birth all the way until they're like 23 or 24. There's always a chance that they're going to be completely confused about something or another, especially when it comes to, to their hormones, which oftentimes that's what's driving their quote-unquote confusion about their gender. It's not really a confusion about their gender. This isn't new, okay? I mean, it's new in that it's coming out, but this isn't like... Like, oh, all of a sudden, now there's all these girls that think they're boys and boys that think they're girls. And there's 57 Heinz varieties of gender. That's, I mean, it is new that we're talking about it, new that we're, that we're, uh, we're having to deal with this. But it's not, it's not a new phenomenon that, that confusion, children get confused about things. That's why they have parents. Teachers are supposed to teach math, reading, writing, history. Proper history, factual history, not the history that they're teaching our children. But instead, the entirety of the public school system, all of it. I don't care. You you live in Texas. You live in Utah. I don't care. Chances are your public school system is rife with radical, radical left-wing agendas. I'm not talking about just, oh, yeah, you know, my, my science teacher. I, I went through that when I was a kid. I had many teachers back then who were who were Democrats. But none of them tried to indoctrinate me. I don't recall any any of my friends or, or anybody getting indoctrinated into radical leftism. That's exactly what's happening across the board in public schools. And unfortunately, it also happens in private schools. It also happens in charter schools. It's just, you know, generally speaking, there's you have a better chance. If you're going to roll the dice and give your kids over to anyone else to have their education done for you, for the, because it really is for you, not for them necessarily, if you're going to let other people educate your children, then at least try to do it in a way that where you have the best chance of not suffering through what the the Meads in Michigan are suffering through today. The Trump campaign has not ruled out the possibility of Nikki Haley being his vice president for the 2024 election, of being his running mate, and that, of course, would be a disaster. I think anybody who listens to this show realizes that Nikki Haley is a full-blown neocon, worse than, in my opinion, even Dick Cheney, and that's that's hard to believe. That, uh, that I would think that, but I do. I think that she would be not only the worst possible presidential candidate, not only the worst possible Republican president, but she would be a horrible VP pick. And I expressed that view last week. Well, I'm not alone. Even Wayne Allen Root, I was on with on his show last night, and he said that as much as he loves Trump, and he truly does legitimately love Donald J. Trump, and I think the feeling is mutual there, as much as he loves Trump, he would not be able to back a Trump-Haley ticket. Now we have the biggest voice in media of them all, Tucker Carlson, saying essentially the same thing. He went on with, with Tim Pool and the, the crew over at TimCast and said, I would not only not vote for the ticket, I would advocate against it as strongly as I could. Let's go ahead and play that video. Would you vote for Trump if he chose Nikki as VP? And I would you guys vote no? for Trump? Well, I mean, that's the question that I asked you specifically. Well, I, right. I, I would not only not vote for that ticket, I would, I would advocate against it as strongly as I could. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I well, that, that's, I, just, I, that's just poison. I mean, here's someone who's actively opposed to the interests of the country I grew up in, who endorsed the BLM riots, and who is not, only, is, is not left, but is neoliberal in the darkest, most, speaking of nihilist, nihilistic mm -hmm. way. And has no real popular support. Is a, is a creature of the oligarchs. So yeah, that would be that would be reason to oppose the ticket. Even Trump, Haley is a no go. 
Nikki Haley. He would get assassinated immediately if that were the case. Yeah, and by the way, I just can't imagine a world where that could happen. That would be so crazy. I mean, anything could happen, of course, but picking Nikki Haley, um, who's utterly treacherous and utterly dismissive of the interests of Americans. Yeah. It's a no-go for me, uh, but it's a yes for BlackRock. So hopefully, Lord willing, Lord willing, that will put the... The, the nail in the coffin that will eliminate any possibility of of uh, Nikki Haley being being the VP choice for for Donald J Trump. He does obviously like and respect uh, Tucker Carlson quite a bit. He would not want to to not have Tucker Carlson in his corner. Maybe he would talk to him in private. Maybe he would try to talk him out of it if his plan really is to have Nikki Haley as his VP. Now to be clear, I don't think that she's really a, a strong choice even for the Trump campaign. I don't think they're, they're truly considering her. I think in many ways they might be be playing a little bit of um, 4D election chess and saying, hey, you know what, It's let's go ahead and, sure, we're not going to rule her out, you know, maybe get her a little bit of, of support or maybe get some people that would support her but who might think, hey, well, I could also support Trump and at least she'd be VP and yada, yada, yada. I don't know what they're playing at, but I think that she would be, if she is even on the, the true list, she would be lower on the list. I think that the most likely candidate, unfortunately, is Christy Noem, who I'm not not a huge fan of. Uh, I think that that um, I would like to see other choices. One one of the the people that both uh, Tucker Carlson and Wayne Allen Root had said that they would like to see as vice president would be Vivek Ramaswamy. Now I've said it many times on my show. I don't trust the guy. I really don't. But I like the guy a lot. <laughs> I do. I think that he's he's a cool guy. I don't want to see him as president, uh, but I wouldn't mind seeing him in some some degree of power. But there is the connection to the World Economic Forum. There is the connection to his or there there is his past where in a very recent past where he was saying things that weren't exactly MAGA. So I'm like I said, I don't trust him. I do like him. But here's the thing. And here's the one case that can be made for why a Vivek Ramaswamy VP um, position might not be so bad. I've said for years that it's ludicrous. It's absolutely stupid the way the vice presidents are picked by presidential candidates. They often pick somebody who's going to be kind of balance out the ticket. You don't need a ticket that's balanced. You don't want a ticket that's balanced. You want somebody who's like-minded because here's the thing. If Trump wins the election, God forbid something happens to him and he's out of commission for however long, whoever the vice president is needs to come in and fulfill his agenda. That's the, 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 the one major role of the vice president is to be a continuation of our government, continuation of the administration, and that's why you want somebody who's like-minded. You don't want diversity within, and I'm not talking about racial diversity or anything else. I'm talking about ideological diversity. You don't want a ticket that has a staunch conservative and a moderate, for example, which seems to be always the case. If you've got a moderate candidate, they try to pick a, a staunch conservative as if that staunch conservative is going to somehow influence the president. That's not how it works. Your ticket should be two like-minded people. That's how it should always be, not just in this case with Trump and Ramaswamy. But any time you run a ticket, don't look for balance. Of course they do because that's, you know, for whatever reason, the American people generally believe that, oh, we want balance. We want somebody who's going to be, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. That's not, that's ludicrous. It's stupid. But unfortunately, that is, that is the way, <laughs> the way we American voters tend to think. Reality is this. You want somebody who, if something were to happen to the president, the vice president is going to be hop, able to hop in there and do exactly the same thing. The vice president should be able to fulfill the exact same agenda, which means the vice president needs to be extremely like-minded with the president. Vivek Ramaswamy seems to fit that bill. Of course, you could also say that Carrie Lake might fit that bill better, but 
that's a discussion for another day. Whether you're concerned about ESG funds being pushed by your financial advisor or central bank digital currencies that are rising across the globe, including here in the United States of America, or de-dollarization that's pushed to remove the dollar as the world reserve currency, the petrodollar. People are shifting to, or nations are shifting to other forms of currency to do their business. Why? Because they don't trust the dollar and neither should you. Okay, I'm not a financial advisor, but I do understand that when it comes to retirement, when it comes to wealth protection, to saving your life savings itself, you should be working with a Christian company, one that's going to treat you fairly, one that's going to be honest, one that's focused on customer service, and one that's not trying to push uh, 5000 or $10,000 in free silver on you because that's just not real. Check out Genesis Gold Group at jdrgold.com. Uh, that's jdrgold.com today. I'm sure everybody who's ever watched my show before knows that I believe that there is a current, currently there is a control and depopulation agenda in play. They want to control the masses or kill them, either one. Those that they can control, they want to control them. Those they can't control, hopefully like you and me, they they want to kill us <laughs> it's, or jail us, we'll say. They, they want to get rid of us, get us out of society. Because we are the rabble-rousers, the troublemakers, the people who might object to their globalist ambitions. And so they want as few of us as possible, which is why I would say arguably my most important role doing my shows is to try to get as many people to wake up and to to counter the the push for globalism. Uh, counter counter this as much as possible. Mostly here in the United States, but also abroad. I, I know that there, we do reach a, a pretty decently wide audience abroad, so... Even, you know, whether wherever you're living, even if you're not in the United States, you too need to be fighting for your own freedoms, your own liberties. One such fighter, very similar to doing what I do, is uh, uh, Alex Newman. Dude's wicked smart. I've talked to him a couple of times. He has, he has more knowledge about some of the craziest things out there. Without, I wouldn't say he's a conspiracy theorist. I mean, he really deals in more... I, not generic, but but mainstream. There we go. He he deals in more mainstream topics than most, but he does it in a way that is that is um, it's truthful. I mean, I want to say conspiratorial, but the reality is is that there are conspiracies, conspiracies all around us, and he does work to expose them. His website, LibertySentinel.org, LibertySentinel.org. I have no affiliation, I'm not promoting it because of for any other reason, but that I read it and I recommend other people read it. Sometimes I pick out sources because they offer a uh, fresh or intelligent view on the current topics at hand, the, the news of the day, so to speak. I have a lot of those, but Liberty Sentinel falls under that rare category of being one of those ones. They're talking about the stories that I haven't heard otherwise, okay? I mean, these are stories that, that if it wasn't for Alex Newman and his team and a handful of other publications out there, a lot of these stories would never get out there. Unfortunately, sites like the Liberty Sentinel are not very well trafficked. I mean, they're not as big as as Fox News. They're not as big as any a lot of these these uh, whatever you want to call them mainstream conservative sites. They 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 just get not nearly as much traffic as they deserve, which is why I have no problem with promoting them even without any affiliation. This latest story over there was an eye opener for me because I hadn't heard about this. I'll admit I try to keep my finger on the pulse of everything that's happening, all the globalist activities happening in the world as much of them as I can but it's, it can a lot of stuff can slip through the cracks a lot of stuff just doesn't get reported 
And this one, this is the first time, it may have been reported by somebody else in conservative or alternative media, but I hadn't heard it. So this is news, news to me. Uh, this is from Andrew Muller over there at LibertySentinel.org. The feds are nabbing 30% of U.S. land, warns the Texas Agricultural Commissioner. Now, for those who don't know, um, Sid Miller, the Agricultural Commissioner down in Texas, this guy is, he is a, uh, he's a different cat, okay? He's not your standard politician. He's... He's a, um, a patriot for sure, okay? Uh, he's a former rodeo rider, so that should that should give him instant credibility. Uh, but he also knows what he's talking about, and he can recognize BS when he sees it or smells it or whatever. And in this case, he's he's trying to ring the alarm bell, and unfortunately, only Alex Newman and a few others are are hearing the the alarms and reporting on it. But let's get to the article. By land, that's what Mark Twain had suggested all those years ago. Uh, they're not making any more of it. <laughs> they're not making it anymore. That's that's so true. This advice might become nearly impossible to follow come 2030 as the Biden administration pursues a new 30 by 30 plan to obtain 30% of America's land, roughly 440 million acres, into the hands of the feds for preservation purposes by the year 2030. Now, I don't care who's in charge. I don't care if, if Trump's president, Biden's president, DeSantis, Newsom, Michelle Obama, it doesn't matter, okay? I don't care who's in charge. When the federal government starts buying up land at this level, they're, they're doing it wrong, okay? This is a very dangerous scenario that we're facing right now because, I mean, number one, government does tend to, to botch pretty much everything. Number two, we need the land, okay? We do. We need private farms. We need private everything. This whole idea of having so much public land, we already there's too much land that's already designated as public, in my humble opinion. There, it needs to be reduced. It needs to be, be given or rather sold. I'm not saying give it to the people. Sell it to the people. Let the people own it. Let the people develop upon it. Make it private. Forget about all this public land. They, they don't have, I mean, we barely have enough money to pay our bills right now as a nation. Do we really expect government to be able to to do the upkeep on 440 million acres? But it gets worse than that. That's just by 2030. What do they have planned? Let's go back to the article. This plan, however, does not end at 30%, said Sid Miller, Texas Agricultural Commissioner, on Alex Newman's The Sentinel Report. They would like to take 50% of our land out of production by the year 2050. Now, this is not something that is just isolated to the United States, continued Miller, a decorated rodeo cowboy and businessman. It's a global agenda. The European Parliament has already voted to do that. In addition to the communist Chinese rapidly buying up American farmland and corrupt Goliath-like corporations such as BlackRock snatching up residential properties, it is hard to imagine a future where the average American family could acquire land or even simply a simple home in the very near future. And he didn't, they didn't even mention Bill Gates. They didn't even mention uh, any of these, these various foreign oligarchs that are, that are purchasing tons of, of American land. It's not good. It's, it's quite frankly very bad. And now you got the U.S. government wanting to get involved. Basically, we're living in a nation that is supposed to be built upon freedom. And yet, all we're seeing every day are, are uh, governments, foreign and domestic. We're seeing large mega corporations, the, the financiers of globalism, so to speak, with BlackRock. We're seeing people like the, the globalist elites themselves, such as Bill Gates, buying up land. This is not a good situation. This is not a good scenario. And how do we fight it? I mean, what can we do? 
I know I'll, I'll read further down and I'll get to, to Miller's comments. He's saying just don't vote for the globalists. I don't know if that's enough. I don't know if just, oh, vote Republican because we got to fight the globalists. How many Republicans on Capitol Hill are actually fighting the globalists? How many of them? How many of them are, are not somehow either beholden or maybe they're bribed? Maybe they're, they're uh, blackmailed? They're at least being bullied because they're not saying a darn thing about it. Very few of them are. Yes, there are a handful. Not a lot, not nearly as many as there should be, because this is a major threat. I wouldn't go so far as to call it an, an existential threat today. If it's allowed to continue, it will be an existential threat within two or three years, long before 2030. Okay, we we'll have to wait till 2030 before it becomes an existential threat, because they're already halfway there. They already own 15% of the land, according to Miller. That's not a good thing. Again, it needs to be private, not public. Now, how do we stop it? Seriously, we have to raise awareness. We have to get people talking about this. Now, I know what you're thinking. I mean, we have to talk about everything, right? There's so many things that are happening. How can we keep up with it all? I spent an entire show, pretty much, talking about illegal aliens. I've spent entire shows. I spent almost a week talking almost exclusively about the the pandemic treaty, the World Health Organization, the the uh, everything that's happening with them. Of course, we have other risks. We have them trying to steal elections again. We have them trying to to push more pandemics again. We just keep getting hit over and over and over again. So how can we squeeze this in? This new threat? I don't know, but we've got to. We absolutely have to. Let's let's finish off this article. So why do the federal government and foreign influencers want to obtain mass volumes of, of American property? Commissioner Miller argues that part of the agenda is to slow down, curb, and regulate food production, as I've noted, to control the global population. There it is, folks. There is the, that's it, right there. I wouldn't say that's 100% of it, but it's at least 80%. 80% of the reason that all these people are buying up this land is not just to control the economy, it's to control the food. Because if you can control the food, according to Henry Kissinger, who controls the food supply controls the people, and they want to control the people. And anybody they can't control, they want to eliminate, whether that means throwing us in jail or killing us. I'm not trying to be a, a, a fear monger here. This is just reality. This is the world we live in today. This is why I do this show. This is why I ask people to share this show just too few people are actually talking about the things that are really really important i know i will talk about it uh, la uh later when i play my interview with with uh, wayne allen root i talked about it earlier we led the show off talked about the colorado supreme court taking trump off the ballot is that huge news it is it's part of the news cycle but is it an existential threat you could say that it is. You could say that because they're trying to to end our constitutional republic, they're trying to take the vote away from the people. But is it really? Is that the kind of thing that should keep us from addressing issues like this? I don't think so. Unfortunately, I'm, I sound like a hypocrite because I'm going to cover it because it's big news. I just want to make sure that I cover at least some of this little news that's going to turn huge in the near future if we don't do something about it. Ah, according to Miller, they uh, they have they have. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a paragraph. Ultimately, though, uh, through fake crusades like climate change, global elitists want America to eat bugs rather than meat, to phase out fossil fuels, to slow slowly eradicate all carbon emissions, to aid the rise of a global one-world government. Warned Miller, who formerly served in the Texas State House, he said they already have reached. They have already reached half their goal with having obtained 15%. Americans must act now to save not only the country, but liberty and freedom around the world. 
Miller admonished U.S. citizens, the best thing that you can do is stop voting for these woke politicians. That is the purest way to stop it and the fastest way to stop it. Get rid of these global agenda, one world government politicians. And yes, but again, it's not just about voting for Republicans. Many Republicans are involved. They are complicit in this. They are bought and sold, maybe not to the degree that the Democrats are. Are you safer with a corrupt Republican or a corrupt Democrat? Yeah, the answer is probably still a corrupt Republican, but not by much. And I don't like the, that we're given those choices. This is why I've said it a billion times before. I'll say it a billion times again. The most important elections are primaries. Primary elections determine who we can actually vote for in the general. Primary elections in which the rhinos win, the globalists, the neocons, the, the uniparty swamp members, we might as well vote for the Democrats. I'm not suggesting you vote for Democrats. I'm just saying we might as well because we're going to get the same basic results. The only reason that you would ever vote for a Republican in that scenario, if you're given the choice between a rhino and a Democrat, is for control of the House. You know, get the numbers game up. Hopefully they'll vote in the right way for most of the votes. Maybe not the important ones, but at least most of the votes, hopefully they'll vote the right way. But then, still not good enough. I won't accept that. And you shouldn't either. We need constitutional conservatives. We need America First patriots to be winning primary elections. That's why the primaries, to me, are exponentially more important than the general election. We need people that actually love America, people that actually want to defend America and the Constitution, people that are actually working for the people. That's who we need in office. So check this story out. It's over at LibertySentinel.org. I'm going to go ahead and push play on my interview, getting interviewed yesterday by, by Wayne Allen Root. And keep in mind, this was right, right at the, as soon as it was breaking, the Trump Trump was getting uh, removed from the Colorado ballot. That's when I went on his show. So we, we got to talk about it a bit, just as it was fresh on the mind. But, but stay tuned, then I'll be back with more news right after this interview with Wayne Allen Root. As our guest today, J.D. Rucker, the editor at the Daily, uh, excuse me, the LibertyDaily.com, the LibertyDaily.com, a publisher of DiscernReport.com, and he's also one of the principals of WarBeef.com. But before we discuss War Beef, we have to discuss his thoughts on the latest polls. President Trump winning big over DeSantis, winning big over Nikki Haley, winning big over Joe Biden nationally, winning big over Joe Biden in every battleground state. And so the Democrats have tried to, and they finally succeeded in disqualifying him and eliminating him from one ballot, at least in the state of Colorado. Your thoughts on what's happening? get overturned this went through the supreme court and thank you for having me on of course wayne the uh it is Always. we'll see what happens okay this is it's a ridiculous statement altogether but this is something that i believe is going to rally more people to to be more endeared to donald trump in general so this could as long as they can overturn it this could be something that could end up being a very big positive for trump uh we'll see it depends on how his uh, attorneys are able to handle it, but I do have faith that, that this time around they're going to do what's right. Just just as the indictments each time, you know, just as when Trump, let's start with this. When Trump was running in 2015 and 16, every time he said something wild and crazy, the establishment said, that's it, he's done, it's over, and he went up five points. Every time. And they couldn't understand it. Now they indict him, and he goes up five points. They indict him, he goes up another five. They indict him, he goes up another ten. Now they're going to disqualify him, he's going to go up 15. I mean, they have Trump 
derangement syndrome, and they're all scared to death. He's going to put him in prison for life, for treason, for rigging the election, stealing the election, and then stealing the country by opening the borders. That's what I believe is happening. They're all frightened that Trump's re-election, he will get revenge and put them all in prison for treason, and that's not one or two years in jail. You get hung, you get the death penalty, you get uh, you know the, the injection in your arm, or you get 50 years in Guantanamo breaking rocks. I think that's what's causing all this hysteria against Trump. I think for sure that's that's definitely part of it, especially with with the uh, we'll call them the the underlings, you know, the the mid level people. But I think once you get up to the top, to the globalist elite cabal, the uniparty swamp, the deep state, their biggest fear, I think, is that not just exposure. Their biggest fear is that they're not going to be able to to fulfill their plans. They're they're not going to be able to achieve their goals, to initiate their evil machinations, to take down the United States of America. They believe that Trump will not allow that to happen. And rightly so. And so they're looking to find somebody, whoever, if they can get uh, Biden or, or Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom or or God forbid, Nikki Haley in there, then at least they've got somebody that they can control, somebody that they can use to eliminate the United States of America and, and destroy our sovereignty and come up with a one world government. But Trump would stand in their way. So they are going to pull out all stops. They're going to, to stop at nothing to try to prevent him from being being our next president. So we have to fight even harder on our end. I mentioned this earlier today. I'm a huge fan of Tucker Carlson. I mean, generally, him and I say the exact same things every time. Matter of fact, I'll brag a little bit. Usually, I say it first, then it comes out of his mouth a day or two later. So, I mean, we're on the exact same mindset, exact same wavelength. And I've said for months now that Trump's vice president, he should choose Vivek Ramaswamy. And Tucker came out today and said he thinks Vivek would make a great vice president and Trump would do very well choosing him. And he also came out today and said, if Trump chooses Nikki Haley, I will not vote for Donald Trump in 2024. I agree with both counts with Tucker Carlson. Yep, absolutely. The one thing about Vivek, and this is something that we've never really seen, okay? You can go all the way back for forever. We've seen... Generally speaking, when when a president is running or when a um, when a candidate is running for president and they've got the nomination, they try to pick somebody to counterbalance. It's it's a, the stupidest thing that I've ever heard. But they're looking from an election perspective. Okay, so I'm America first. I'm bold. I'm I'm awesome. So I'm going to get Mike Pence because he's going to help with the evangelicals. He's going to be kind of the calm, nice guy, right? My perspective is Midwestern this: if you're going guy. to select the vice president. Right, a Midwestern guy. If you're going to select a vice president, your vice president should be somebody who is in lockstep with you 100%. Because if, God forbid, something were to happen, you need somebody who's going to hop in there and continue what you were doing, which means that you need somebody who's ideologically aligned with you as your vice president. That's who I would want so that there's there, you don't skip a beat. If, if, if Trump gets sick and he's out of out of commission for a month, he's going to come back, and Vivek's going to keep going and going and going. Now, I don't fully trust Vivek, but I love him. I think that he's, his words, what he says, his, everything uh, says his drive, great, right? everything, everything says works. Great. Everything he says is great. I'm not yes. 100% sold on him to trust him yet, but like, but if Trump selects him, hey, I will be all on board. I think I would be excited about that. And you're right. If Nikki Haley is the selection, oh, God forbid, that would just be horrendous. That, that terrifies me more than Trump probably anybody else. Trump I would rather see Chris I, mean, no, no I think the... It's sealed today that Trump won't do it because Tucker, Trump watches what Tucker says and, and wants <laughs> Tucker's support, knows that Tucker has what, like, you know, 80 million people voted for Trump, 80 million are support Tucker. It's the same people. And he knows Tucker said today that, you know, if you 
name Nikki Haley, I would not support you for president. Trump understands that. So there's not going to be any Nikki Haley choice. That's good. And I, you know, Trump loves me and, and has uh, said so many times in speeches and at events and, and has sent me many notes. And he really respects me and what I think. And I sent him all my advice. And I've said many times he should pick Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, as long as he vets him and, and, and thinks that he's the real thing. And, I, you know, I haven't vetted him. That's not my job. I don't have to vet somebody. I don't have staffs of private investigators who are digging into somebody, you know, CIA types. Uh, but Trump does have people like that, and he can make sure Vivek's the real thing. If he, if he makes sure and confirms that it is, he is real, he's not lying about anything, I would pick Vivek. I think he's the perfect choice. Brings in all the young voters. That seals the deal with young voters. By the way, the latest poll shows Trump is destroying Biden with young voters. What what are your thoughts about that? Why are young people turning against Biden? It's kind of the it's the pendulum swing in the cultural Marxism war. Okay, so so we're not just seeing the the younger voters going to Trump. They're also going against a lot of the the concepts, especially when we get into the youngest voters. I'm talking the 18 to 24 range. That group is they're doing three things that were basically unexpected. I don't think even the radical left, even their their think tank people were, were seeing this happening. They're getting disgusted with this push for for LGBTQIA plus supremacy. They're getting disgusted with this idea that they have zero hope based upon the, the current policies. They have zero hope for the future to to be able to, to raise a family, to to get a own a Inflation. home or anything like that. Inflation. Inflation. It's, well, and, and, and so they're looking yeah. at this and they're thinking, OK, this is crazy. But they're also doing one other thing that I thought is is really strange. Did you know the generation? Uh, what is it? Gen Z, the Gen Zers or the whatever, Z, you, the, yeah. the, the yeah. youngest ones. Yeah. The Gen Zers. They are yeah, actually the highest. Z. Yeah, they're actually the highest um, spenders when it comes to preparedness. I had no idea. I would have thought they would be the least likely. They're spending more than boomers. Really? They're spending more than Gen X. I had no idea. And that tells us. That they are, you know, they might be dumb and doing stupid things on TikTok, but a lot of them are saying, no, I don't want to be one of those dumb people. I want to be an American. And praise God for that, because that is that's that's the, the most hopeful I've been about our future was seeing all these recent statistics like they are embracing Trump, like they are turning more conservative and they are realizing that that things might not be what Joe Biden and his regime it, say it, they but, are. You know, what's really strange when you come on, we have real conversations, right? And it's not it's not exact questions we planned in advance. And and so I want to throw a curve at you. So it's true that Generation X, appear, uh, Generation Z appears to be more for Trump and appears to be turning against Biden and Democrats. But it's also true that polls show that almost every age group of Americans loves Jews and loves Israel, except 18 to 24. That group is against Israel, and a majority, 51%, want Hamas to murder and kick all the Jews out of Israel. I've seen the polls. Those two things don't go together and make no sense to me, J.D. We know that almost every normal American supports Israel. We know that the Bible supports Israel. We know that God said Jews are God's chosen people. And I think most Christians in America agree with that statement. Why would the young generation support Trump, who's the biggest pro-Israel guy in history, and also hate Israel and be against Israel and support terrorists killing the Jews? It makes no sense. Well, you're right if you look at it on the surface, but there's really three reasons this is happening, and you, you nailed it when you said you know, most Christians. Well, let's face it, the one really horrible part, and the part that I said that I'm 
Yeah, I, I, I said that I was kind of hopeful for the future. That's not it. Okay, that's the part that I'm not hopeful about because they're not Christian. Number two, they've been indoctrinated by college professors, by, by their friends, their peers, by TikTok to hate Israel. And then number three, they just didn't live through 9-11. This is the first generation that has no idea what 9-11 was like, so they don't even know. Yeah, but the same TikTok tells them to hate Trump, so they're they're not listening to TikTok when it comes to Trump. But for some reason, they've been brainwashed about Israel. It's crazy. Makes no sense. They're 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 like giddy in support of terrorists that that rape, gang rape, murder, behead, set people on fire, kill babies, stick babies in ovens. Are these people crazy? These young people, in one second, if they went to Gaza, they'd be thrown off a roof into their death. In one second flat, they don't like woke people in Gaza. We'll be right back. More with J.D. Rucker. Wayne Alaroot. All right, we continue with uh, my guest, J.D. Rucker. He's been a regular guest on this show. He's also involved with uh, WarBeef.com, one of the principals of the great survival food product made from Texas premium beef, WarBeef.com. He's the editor at TheLibertyDaily.com. He's the publisher of DiscernReport.com. And he's here to talk about some of the big headlines going on. Uh, Open borders, J.D., you know that it's, you know, the two topics, probably the three topics I talk about most Stolen election, open border, and the COVID vaccine killing machine. I talk about those three all day long. And uh, I want to talk about the open border because that's in the news day and night. 14,000 plus came through yesterday, the most in history. I predicted after Title 42 was taken away that we'd see the invasion of all time in the history of the world. And that's what we're seeing. I was 100% right. This is the intentional destruction of America. What do we do? That is the question. I mean, I, it's funny. The answer is simple, is that we close the border, but the, the doing that is actually hard. You know, people, it's, 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 not, it's not easy. It is simple. It's basic. But the actual fulfillment of it is very difficult. I was talking about that as the primary topic on my show today. You see even Democrats are going after. You see Katie Hobbs sending down the, uh, the National Guard to the border. Meanwhile, you know, I made sure to, on my show to, to list off five or six different things that she's done to harm border security because she's, she's not really, right. really doing anything. You had Greg, Greg Abbott. Greg Abbott blocking the uh, the trains from coming across and enabling enabling local law enforcement to make arrests now. And if they arrest them for a second time, okay, if somebody they, they arrest them, deport them, and then arrest them again in Texas as local law enforcement, they'll be able to put them in jail for 20 years. My question is, as a Republican with a with a Republican legislature for all this time, why are we getting this at the end of 2023? Why didn't this happen two, three, right. five years ago when it should have well, happened? Because he's a rhino. People are waking up. He's a rhino. Up. They yeah. pushed him so hard. Yeah, he did, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's what we he have to done, do there. You he, just... If he believed in it, he he would have done it a long time ago, but he didn't believe in it. They pushed him to do it. And by the way, maybe, just maybe, as a rhino, he wants people to come in to provide cheap labor. The biggest people who gave him his donations are corporations that want the cheap labor. But now anyone and everyone can see, J.D., it's destroying everything in its way. Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, they'll all be destroyed. California, everything is being destroyed. So even the liberals and the rhinos are starting to realize there is no choice. You've got to stop this now. Right, absolutely. Well, you nailed it. You said that, that why did he do it? Why is Katie Hobbs doing it? Because people are pressing him. That is the answer. What can we do? Okay, should we go down there with AR-15s and guard the border ourselves? No, because we'll probably get arrested for whatever no. reason, even though we shouldn't be. Right. We should be able to defend our country. But hey, that's that's a discussion for another day. But what we can do, without getting arrested, for now at least, 
is to press these people, is to press rhinos, Democrats, even conservatives, and make sure that they know this is it. This is the biggest threat, the most immediate threat to the United States of America that we face today. There are other threats, obviously, but as far as what can have the most immediate impact, like you said, 14,000. Guys, this is December. This is supposed to be the, the illegal alien slow time, okay? And the fact that we're <laughs> breaking records season, in December... Yeah. This is supposed to be the slow season. They're supposed to, oh, you know what? We'll wait until after Christmas. We'll wait till it's warmer. This is when things are supposed to slow down. And the fact that they're ramping up the way they are, guys, wake up. Please. Scary. Scary. And this is what I learned at Columbia University, J.D. You know, I learned Cloward Piven, Barack Obama was my classmate. I'm telling you, he learned it too. Get everyone on welfare. Fill the nation with people on welfare and just make the economy collapse and, and turn us into a socialist nation in the midst of a crisis. This is Cloward Piven, this is the intentional destruction of the United States. Hey, uh, we, we gotta run, JD. I wanna mention again, warbeef.com. You need a survival food product. Don't sit around praying that things get better and do nothing in case they don't. You gotta hope for the best, pray for the best, and prepare for the worst, warbeef.com. You get a 15% discount when you promote, when you, uh, Use the promo code WAR15 at checkout. Warbeef.com. Promo code WAR15 from a great company and a great guy, J.D. Rucker. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Man, I really love going on with Wayne Allen Root. The guy is just a wealth of knowledge. He's passionate. He's patriotic. Uh, he says what he means, and he means what he says, and that's that makes him kind of a kind of a rare breed in the the world of, of conservative journalism. A lot of times, I would say many, if not most, conservative journalists aren't like that. They aren't willing to say the things that might get them in trouble with, with you know, their benefactors, whether it's the RNC or the the nearby rhino, rhino politicians, or or maybe it's Google or Facebook or whoever, whoever really truly controls their actions and their content. They don't want to make those people mad, so they don't say things that might get them in trouble. Wayne Allen Root doesn't care. He doesn't get in trouble because he just, like I said, says what he means, means what he says. And maybe that does get him in trouble from time to time, but but not enough to where he gets gets too, too in trouble, <laughs> Lord willing. There's an article over at the uh, survivalmom.com that caught my attention because we often talk about food preps here. Okay, we we I'm obviously I'm a late prepper. You can find my stuff over at lateprepper.substack.com. And I like to talk about being ready from a food perspective. But what about protecting your food? I'm not talking about, you know, protecting it from from uh, hooligans and, and roaming bands of of um, whatever you want to you know, people that are going to try to steal your food. Uh, that's a whole other topic. OK, and that does involve a whole lot of ammunition and firearms and training and practice and all that good stuff. No, I'm talking about the little guys. I'm talking about about uh, pests, rodents, bugs, stuff like that. Uh, and I think that's something that we need to to address. And so we're going to address it today. Uh, there's nothing, I, it's, it's almost a nightmare of mine. I'm, I'm very protective of my food, extremely protective of my food. I want to be able to, if the crap hits the fan anytime soon, I want to be able to, to continue to feed my family without having to rely on government or, or anybody else or, you know, whatever. And, uh, aside from the, the roaming marauders trying to take food, which I'll happily protect my family and my, my supplies from those people. What about the little guys? What about the ones that we can't always see? So this article by Lisa Bedford over at thesurvivalmom.com offers some answers. So let's uh, let's check that out. According to the article, uh, it's called Protecting Your Home and Food Against Pests and Rodents. 
uh, and I'll leave a note or a link to this in the in the show notes. I expect that rural living in the high desert of California would bring its share of critters. Boy, was I unprepared for what was ahead. We learned fast about keeping our home and property as critter and pest free as possible. It was a constant battle, though, with the help of professionals, advice from locals, and some readings, we were able to arm ourselves for the constant battle of the bugs and the rodents. In an emergency situation, what would you do to protect yourself from pests and rodents? Here is what I learned. And there's a table of contents here, which makes it sound like it's going to be a very, very long story. It's not. It's not. But let's go through some of what she she found out. Termites. This is uh, a big one for some of us in certain areas. Termites. One insect that loves to eat is termites. You can count on them dining on your home 24 hours a day, every day. They eat constantly. In the spring, they swarm and and begin looking for a buffet, and it could be your home. The darker and damper, the better. The only way to really treat termites effectively is by hiring a professional. In an end-of-the-world situation, this may not be an option, but it is necessary to protect and maintain the integrity of your shelter. Diverting water away from your home is one of the simplest and free things you can do. Also, trimming and cut back any trees near your home can keep keep termites at a distance. Check them that uh, none of the roots or branches are touching your home. Good advice. What about bugs? According to this, bugs, the long-term grass around your home, is the perfect place for bugs to hide. One way to cut down on the population is to keep the grass cut short. Certain types of bugs can die before uh, maturing due to exposure to sunlight. Short grass allows the sunshine to kill them. Owning a push lawnmower... And using it regularly is a simple way to keep the bugs at bay. And by the way, it's also a very easy and simple way to exercise, which I think a lot of us, myself included, could use more of. If you live on a property with tall grass and plants, a machete is your best. These plants tend to grow fast, and a machete will help you cut them down quickly. It is recommended that you have a machete that you can easily sharpen and won't, and that won't corrode. Kind of a no-brainer. Gerber has a quality, a good quality machete that would fit this purpose. And I my, I don't know which brand of, of machete I have. Uh, we have two of them of the same brand, and they're both absolutely incredible. Um, I would be really sad if we lost one of those, or definitely really sad if we lost both. Moving on, rats and mice. It is always good to know your worst enemy. Rats and mice carry 35 different diseases and are tricky to keep out of a home. You only need a hole the size of a dime for a mouse to squeeze through. Rats only need a hole the size of a of a nickel. Neither rodents have a collarbone. If your if their head can fit through the hole, so can the rest of their body. They have sharp teeth and will gnaw through just about anything, including electrical wires, which could result in a fire. We experienced a mouse who crawled under our dishwasher and made a small hole in the water line. The slow drip caused damage that resulted in us replacing our recently laid new flooring along with the subflooring. It is hard to believe that one little rodent can cause so much damage. And to be clear, rodents are the number one threat to your food supply, long-term food supply. This is why I'm a humongous fan of making sure that you, if you're going to use plastic containers, okay, I recommend metal containers for your food, uh, long-term storage food. But if you're going to use plastic containers, make sure that they are thick, thick, thick plastic containers and preferably you take them and you you seal them away someplace where where rodents can't get to again preferably metal i mean they their teeth are sharp they are very persistent and with enough of them they can make it through even thick plastic so so try to try to keep your food and other supplies protected by by uh securing them in metal if possible 
Next one, mosquitoes. As for the irritating mosquitoes, mosquitoes lay their eggs in standing water, so it is essential that you remove or minimize any standing water on your property. Walk around your yard and check trash cans, buckets, planters, playground equipment, and anything else that could collect standing water. If you are in a long-term disaster circumstance, you may not have the benefit of air of cool air-conditioned home for, to avoid mosquitoes. An open window may be the uh, your only relief from the heat. Check all the screens in the windows and doors. Repair or replace any that have any holes. If you need a to sleep outdoors, a mosquito bed net is a must. They are inexpensive and lightweight. There are mosquito net tents for pets or small children too. Uh, and then there's a post for keeping them away. And of course, they, what they didn't mention is that mosquitoes. Now I'm not just talking about the Bill Gates uh, manipulated CRISPR DNA mutant uh, mosquitoes. I'm talking about any mosquitoes. They can carry disease. And that is the. I mean, I am. I am not a scared person when it comes to you know. If, if there's a tiger, I I would rather fight a tiger than uh, an infected mosquito because an infected mosquito is um you know i mean that would suck and there's not much you can do about it and once they get a hold of you you can't tell when they're biting you you can only tell after they're done and it's like what is this oh my gosh i got i mean I, there's times when especially out here in southern california there are times during the summer when well, i just won't go outside very much at all because i will actually get bit on my face and i won't even notice it it's crazy you can hear them when they go by your ear but you, if they land and they oh, they'll get you they they go after me like crazy i'll admit it as far as fighting off the tiger, at least, you know, if you die by, by tiger, then that's kind of cool. <laughs> Nobody wants to, he was, he was bit by a mosquito. Rest in peace. No, no, he, he was bit and killed fighting, mauled by a tiger that he was fighting with his own bare hands. I don't know. Maybe it might be better for the funeral if I were killed by a mosquito rather than a tiger. Who knows? Anyway. Next one, sealing your home against pests. Another step to prevent pests from entering your home is to seal it. Walk around your foundation and look for any cracks. Check for gaps around windows, the frames, and doors. You should hire a professional to seal and double-check your home for you. In a long-term disaster scenario, you will be on your own. It is recommended that you stockpile some ex expanding insulation and rolls of thick metal screening. You can find the insulation and screening here. The insulation will, and uh, there's a link there. Uh, obviously, <laughs> not here, but there. Uh, the insulation will seal small holes and can be used to reinforce the metal screening and prevent rodents and sharp teeth from uh, rodents with sharp teeth from, from entering through the hole. Steel wool is another option for filling in small holes. You can buy steel wool wherever. Okay, inside your home, look for small crevices inside and under uh, and behind kitchen appliances and cabinets, inside closets, along the 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 bottom and corners around the fireplace and doors, around the pipes, under sinks, water heaters, furnaces, and washing machines, around any floor and dry vents, uh, inside the attic, basement, or crawl space, and any, drawn, uh, any drains in the basement and laundry room. Ah, uh, see, do we have enough? We do have enough time. Next, making food inaccessible. Another method to eliminate rodents is to make food inaccessible. Keep your food in metal uh, or thick plastic containers with tight-fitting lids. Also, look for trash cans uh, with the same standards. Clean up any outdoor grills, cooking spaces, and spills. Once you are done cooking, wash dishes and put away food. Reduce food waste, for sure. Don't leave any pet food or water bowls out overnight. If you have a bird feeder that you, can, that you can't bear to part with, <laughs> here's, here's the best practice. Part with the bird feeder. Unless you're going to be using it to attract birds that you're going to hunt, 
you don't need a bird feeder. I know it's it's fun, it's cute, it's great, it's a hobby, it's good, whatever. No, in a uh, crap hits the fan situation, the birds are on their own, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, but uh, <laughs> use a scroll card on it. Any of the other food or animal needs to to be at least uh, any other food or or for animals needs to be at least 100 feet away from your home. The further away, the better. And just like your food, keep all animal feed in heavy plastic or metal containers. Elevate any trash cans, hay, and wood piles at least one foot above the ground. Wood piles should be places placed as far away from your home as possible. Aim for at least 100 feet. Clearing the property of old vehicles and equipment means that rodents will look elsewhere, uh, somewhere else for a home. If you can eliminate rodents from having nesting sites outside your home, you can decrease your chances of a new generation trying to move in. Next one, protect your garden. That's that's kind of a no-brainer for, for most people because anybody who's ever done any real gardening knows that you have to absolutely positively must protect your garden. I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. Your garden needs to be protected because it could be a main food source. Plant mint and marigolds around your... Oh, I'm glad I read this because I didn't know that. Plant mint and marigolds around your garden and property. The bugs don't like the smell and will avoid the area where these those plants are at. Hmm, I didn't know that. Crop rotation is another way to reduce insects in your garden. You want to throw them off each year by what you are planting. If you don't see what they like, they will they will leave. Or if they don't see what they like, they will leave. Don't forget to clean up after your you've been uh, you've been in the garden. Something simple like washing your garden tools when you are finished using them can prevent the spread of bug eggs. You don't want to keep the bug eggs that may be on your tools and deposit them in the dirt where you are planting. Good idea there. And then there's a um, recipe for homemade bugs, bug repellent spray. Ah, let's go and read it. Mix two tablespoons of hot sauce or red pepper, uh, two tablespoons of baking soda, and three drops of Dawn dishwashing liquid to a gallon of water. Mix well and pour into a spray bottle or a sprayer. Wet the top and bottom of all the leaves on your plant. If it rains, reapply. Good, good point there. And there's others in here. I'm not going to read the entire thing. It shows you how to protect your food, how to make a homemade ant killer. Good stuff. Homemade roach killer. Great stuff. Pesticides and traps, snap traps, and peanut butter. Again, you can find this at thesurvivalmom.com, and I will leave a link to it, to the this page, in the show notes. So check it out. Let's impeach Merrick Garland, shall we? I think it's time. You know, I think that you can make a case that uh, Alejandro Mayorkas is the worst cabinet member, but you could also make a, a different case from Eric Garland, not because he's necessarily done worse things he has, but that's not the important part. The really important part is the fact that his his influence may be stronger than even Alejandro Mayorkas's as far as uh, existential threats to the United States of America. So there's an article over at spectator.org, The American Spectator by John Hardigan, a clear case for Merrick Garland's impeachment. Well, let's see. What do you think? Is this a clear case? I think it is. Let's see. During a recent Fox News interview, House Speaker Mike Johnson insisted that he's a rule of law guy. Johnson didn't elaborate, but it wouldn't be surprising if he's planning to call on the House to impeach Attorney General Merrick Garland for trampling on the rule of law by obstructing prosecuting prosecution of a brazen $5 million shakedown by Hunter Biden. Here's the story of Hunter's shakedown and what what uh, Garland did to make sure he could never be prosecuted for it. On July 30th, 2017, Hunter sent this threatening WhatsApp message to an executive of CEFC, a large Chinese corporation he thought he had uh, talked into giving him a seven-figure representation deal. This is a quote from the WhatsApp. 
says, I'm sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or a text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Obviously, he's he's utilizing whether whether Joe was there or not. I don't see why he we would think he wouldn't be unless you you think that Hunter Biden is a liar. Oh wait, he is. But still, whether he is or not, he was clearly being used as a as a tool, a tool to pressure a foreign company to do his bidding. That's not a good thing. In case you didn't know. Back to the article. This is uh, again according to uh, to John Hardigan. He says. And the threat worked. Records obtained by Senator Charles Grassley show that on, Octo on August 8th, 2017, CEFC wired $5 million to Hunter's account at a U.S. bank. Hunter probably thought uh, none of this would ever come to light, but three years later, an IRS investigation of his 2017 tax taxes turned up a copy of his extortionate WhatsApp message. And not long after that, the copy made its way to Garland's desk and probably with a transmittal pointing out that Hunter's shakedown was a felony punishable by imprisonment for up to two years under U.S. Code 87D. Big problem. The matter had to be investigated, but investigation of the president and his son would involve the Justice Department in massive uh, conflict of interest, right? Makes sense. Given that conflict, longstanding Justice Department regulations required Garland to appoint a special counsel from outside the U.S. government to investigate Hunter and his father. But instead, Garland took control of the case himself and sat on it until August 8th, 2022, when the matter became too old to prosecute under the federal five-year statute of limitations. And Hunter went scot-free. That's the case for Garland's impeachment, and once... And once opened in the House, here's how to, it would eventually be brought to trial before the Senate. After swift introdu introductory proceedings in the House, the Senate would appoint Senator Patrick Leahy as President uh, Officer of the trial, and all the other senators would be sworn in as jurors and instructed that 67 guilty votes would be required for Garland's conviction. Garland would then be required to submit written answers to articles of impeachment charging him with defying the special counsel regulations and obstruction prosecution of Hunter uh, obstructing prosecution of Hunter's shakedown. That done, representatives appointed by the House would be required to submit written responses to Garland's answers, and then it would be off to the trial. On the witness stand, Garland would probably deny that he did anything to prevent the prosecution of Hunter Biden's shakedown, arguing that all criminal charges against Hunter were automatically assigned to David Weiss, the U.S. attorney for the District of Delaware, and that Weiss alone was responsible for leaving the shakedown case unprosecuted until it had to be closed under the statute's statute of limitations. However, the House's representative would immediately challenge that contention and obtain two key rulings from Senator Leahy. First, that Weiss was subject to Garland's supervision and direction, and second, that it would be up to the jurors to decide whether Weiss let the shakedown case uh, wither away because Garland directed him to do so. So, after hearing all the evidence, what would the Senate's verdict be? Although many Democrats would probably vote for Garland's acquittal, the most likely outcome would be Garland's conviction and removal from office by the vote of 50 Republicans, three independents, and at least 14 like-minded Democrats. A stinging defeat for Garland, but a big win for Johnson and the rule of law. And let's face it, that would be a big win for America, okay? Like I said, Merrick Garland is arguably the most dangerous 
bureaucrat in Washington, D.C. today. The way that he has weaponized the Department of Justice is, is in itself criminal, but it's always hard to, to prove that, right? That's, that's based upon subjective this and subjective that. This is concrete. This is here, okay? I mean, it's, it's obvious. It's obvious to anybody with eyes to see that Merrick Garland protected Hunter Biden. And the, the, the I mean, it's got a step-by-step -step process of how that protection happened. You can't argue against that. You can't. Not even, you know, maybe Adam Schiff could, because Adam Schiff, Shifty Schiff, he, he can argue pretty much anything. If, if, if he had to make an argument that the sky was, was purple, he would pull out all the charts and, and he would pull out, you know, take, uh, take <laughs> like little snippets of information and, and rewire them until they, they said that, that the sky was purple. But outside of him, I don't see how any, any politician could get away with it. Not, not uh, impeaching Merrick Garland. Man, wouldn't that be nice? Well, that's it, folks. That is today's show. And I apologize for the laziness of having two interviews on there. But, but I, I, I'm happy with that. You guys should get to hear me, whether I'm talking generally or talking to somebody else. So that's good. Lord willing, I will be back very soon with another episode. But in the meantime, you all stay strong, stay safe, and God bless. <laughs>